Talkin' 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 Tunes. Hey, you're listening to Talking Tunes by Girls Are Awesome. My name is Vakle and I'm a music producer and in this podcast I invite artists in to talk about the songwriting and production of one of their songs. In this podcast we focus on featuring women and gender minorities. Girls are awesome. Girls are, girls are awesome. You are too. Girls Are Awesome is a community brand and impact agency which creates content, experiences, products and partnerships towards gender equality. In this episode I'm talking with Alina Smith about her song Hollywood Heart. Alina is a music producer based in LA and we are recording the podcast online. So for Alina it's 10 in the morning and for me here in Copenhagen it's 7 in the night. We're both sitting in the safe space of our homes, which is nice, I guess. First, let's take a short listen to Hollywood Heart by Alina Smith. I can't make a name. Got your star and leave it on that pavement. Came to entertain. But what I didn't know is that a stage would be my cage. Cause when you only see your beauty in the applause, you can't love yourself in this silence. Yeah, I wanna see my worth when no one else. My name is Vakle, I'm a music producer from Copenhagen and also I produce this podcast and I go by she, her pronouns. Hey guys, I'm Alina Smith. I'm a producer, songwriter, and artist from Los Angeles, originally from Russia, and I go by she, her pronouns as well. Yay! So today we're going to talk about one of your songs. Do you want to introduce it with like what it's about? 100%. So I um, have a new song coming out April 9th. It's called Hollywood Heart. Um, so I have written and produced the song by myself which uh is really fun for me because usually as a producer and writer for others i collaborate with you know at least one other person usually three people four people like it's you know it's always a collaboration so for my own artist project i kind of decided at least for now i want to approach it as like a solo thing you know that way it's the most authentic to who i am as a person as an artist um so hollywood heart actually funny enough the concept came from therapy <laughs> um, it came from I wrote the song last year and I was just talking to my therapist who's really cool who specializes in working with people in the entertainment industry that's all she does really uh, she works with like actors and musicians and like everybody else that's in entertainment and when we were talking about whatever I was struggling with at the time I don't really remember she's like oh it sounds like you have the case of the Hollywood heart and I was like wait what and she's like yeah it's like when you you know oftentimes approach doing things uh for the applause you know and not necessarily like the literal applause like you're on stage but just for like getting a reaction from an audience basically so which was a really interesting concept to breach because I haven't really heard this discussed that much out, outside of therapeutic spaces, really, especially not in a song. Uh, it's kind of a, you know, like a bit of a niche topic, but I was really excited to write this because basically um, what I'm digging into in the song is exactly that. It's exactly like being somebody who is very much uh, trained from an early age to perform for applause, you know, and basically like unraveling that concept and learning that sometimes you can make art just for yourself and for your own joy and your own soul. And it doesn't have to get approval from anybody else to be valid. So that is what the song is about. <laughs> <laughs> That's very deep. I don't think we ever touched uh, a subject like that in the podcast, but I think I kind of, um, relate to it I guess to the that sometimes you get caught up right it's like so hard to just be like oh especially the deeper you're in the music industry too or any I imagine you know acting or anything else that's entertainment 
you know, yes, there's a part of you that does it because you love it. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't have gotten into it in the first place. But there's definitely a part of, I think, all of us that does it because it's for our careers. It's for, you know, approval, really. It's for getting that virtual applause, right? You know, maybe back in the day was being on stage and getting the applause. And now it's about getting those comments and those likes, right? Yeah, <laughs> It definitely is. Yeah. And, you know, in my mind, it's definitely like, it's a bit of a toxic thing. It's one thing to be like, yeah, you know, I want my music or whatever it is that you're working on to be successful, you know, but it's another thing to negate its value completely. If it doesn't get the numbers that you want, or it doesn't get like the billboard charting placement that you want. I think so many people beat themselves up over stuff like that. When in reality, like most of that stuff is not up to you, really. And a lot of that stuff has even nothing to do with the quality of the art that you're making. It's much of it is has to do with business and marketing and business relationships in your team. So and I think a lot of people don't really realize that and they get really down on themselves about, um, you know, certain things not going the way they want it to. Yeah. Uh, you work full time as a music producer, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm also an author and that's definitely taken up a lot of my time um, finishing a book that I'm writing. But I'd say, yes, my job as a music producer <laughs> for now. I haven't yeah, made yeah, anybody sure. write it yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just imagine that um, if you work uh, full time as a music producer, you also need to be so productive to get like stuff done and to get money in the bank, mm -hmm. uh, at least in many uh, countries and at least in Denmark, that's how it is. All the music producers, even though you're super famous, work many hours to get a decent salary, I think. It's it's very true. It is definitely not like a passive income situation, even though, yes, we get royalties, and I love getting them. It's my favorite yeah. thing. <laughs> We're like, wow, I worked for this three years ago. Cool, this is so fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, mostly it's definitely like an active income career where you have to work and you have to keep working and You know, um, a lot of people that are even more successful than me that I know that are Grammy winners and such, like they still have to work really, really hard, spend a long time, uh, a long day in the studio, you know, and it's, I definitely have these conversations a lot too about like, where's that line of where it becomes unhealthy? Um, because it's one thing, yeah. like all of us love what we do, right? Like we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't love it, like there's for sure other easier ways to make money. Um, yeah. We do because we really enjoy and we really love it, but there's definitely that there's a lot of toxicity. I think that can come with this field. Um, just like, you know, what my song is about, like that, like constant seeking of approval, but also there's a lot of culture too, of, I would say hustle. Um, there is a lot of messaging reinforcing that you have to work hard you have to hustle you know and being in my 30s now having hustled since I was about 17 uh it's it's definitely I have a different perspective on it I think when you're very young yes hustle because you're still you're still learning you need all those hours you need your 10,000 hours you need the experience and not just in making music but in things like like dealing with a record label or a publishing company in collaborating, collaborating with different types of personalities. There's so much to learn that actually is like literally outside of music. It's more like personal <laughs> human management. I don't know what to call it. Like <laughs> psychology, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, you know, this, you're a producer. So how to talk to people one-on-one. <laughs> exactly. There's so much to learn. So I do think like hustle in the beginning is super, you know, it's super welcome. But I do think as you become more experienced, it's become more uh, advanced. You know, there's definitely moments where I'm like, okay, like I need breaks. I need time to myself. I need time for my other pursuits and my other passions and hobbies. So, you know, I think a lot of these conversations are being had right now too, even around songwriters. I know um, Rose Gollin started, you know, this, pay songwriters campaign where it's talking about, you know, all the toxicity and kind of like old, how would I, how would I really describe it? Like, like old systems created around songwriting that were functional 20, 30 years ago, but are completely not functional now anymore. So in addressing those, so yeah, I just, this is like a long winded way to say our, 
our field is exciting, but it also is like fraught with kind of danger and <laughs> being somebody who's really aware of, <laughs> uh, of just like what things are looking like in your life, I think is helpful for every artist and every producer and writer, because otherwise you kind of get this tunnel vision and you get thrown into the system and you're, you know, not always the system is working for you. Yeah. But I also imagine if you have to be so productive um, all the time, you kind of uh, probably don't feel like you have enough time to do the projects for yourself. If we go back to the um, the topic 100%. of like working for the applause. hundred percent, hundred percent. I have been very hesitant to start an artist project for a few reasons. One is that exact thing is I'm so busy. I'm always so spread so thin working on projects. You know, I have my book, which is already like a super time intensive uh, project. So yeah, it was definitely uh, something I kind of grappled with for a while. And again, going to therapy was the thing that really helped me kind of take the leap because, you know, my argument against it was, Oh, I don't have any time. I don't have any time. And then, my other argument was, oh, well, but I don't really have, like, a marketing team. I don't have a label. I don't really want to pay a bunch of money for promotion for my music where I'm mostly doing it for myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm I'm not trying to uh, spend everything I earn as a producer on my artist project. <laughs> no. So I had a lot of, like, moments like that. Uh, but I think the thing that I had to kind of learn in the process is that is what Hollywood Heart is about is that just because something isn't like, oh, it's the artist project where I'm trying to get a, re a record deal, just because something isn't that doesn't mean it isn't valuable. You know, and for me, it was just a feeling of, yeah, you know, I write, everything I write is for others. Everything I create is for others. It's always that they are first because they are the artists. It's what they want to say. It's how they want to sound. It's, you know, it's all of those things me trying to capture their essence as a person in music. So, which is really, really fun, but also realizing, yeah, like I have many things to say that I'm not going to put in a book that are just, you know, very personal to me. I don't want a character to say it. I, I want to say it, <laughs> right? Realizing yeah. that, yeah, I have things to say. And even musically, um, there's things I want to express. Like there's particular melodies I want to write. There's particular track techniques I want to use that, other people might not want in their tracks and that's totally fine because it's their artistry. But I realized, yeah, those desires that I have for certain types of lyrics, certain types of music, they're going unfulfilled. And, you know, originally before I really decided to just release my music, I was like, Oh, well maybe I can find a young artist. I can just kind of, you know, that's a little greener and I can write whatever I want for them. I can like make them sound how I want, but which is, you know, some people do that. Mm -hmm. I personally find that it's it's less fulfilling. I've done things like that before, and I honestly kind of realize that's not what I want to do because I think it's more fulfilling to help somebody become an artist than to just give them my artistry and have them be a singing puppet. I don't think it's fair to them, and I don't yeah. think it's fair to me, you know, because they, even if they're very young and very green, like what would serve them best is for them to develop their own approach right like that's what's gonna give them longevity like if i just give them my stuff and then they go somewhere else they're literally not gonna have a style they're not gonna have a, a thing to say they're gonna have nothing because i just gave them all of my things and it's also not really fair to me because yeah. you know it's it's not fulfilling to have somebody put their name on your stories and i've definitely had that before too there's um a song I did like three, four years ago or something where it was my voice. It was my story, but it was for a DJ. And I was just like, Oh, like it's fine. It can just be like a work for hire. You don't even have to feature me, you know, but when it came out and it did really well, um, it was, it wasn't like a, Oh, I could have made more money thing. It was more like a, wow, this is my voice. This is my story. Like something I've been through. This is literally my thing. And somebody else is getting all the credit. So you know, and it's, yeah. it's definitely like, well, like people are connecting to my artistry through third party and it's a weird thing. So all of that being said, I think having like a personal project is really important for people that have the desire to have one. Like you have to prioritize it and you have to make time for it. That's nice advice. 
what's the book? Can I ask? Of course, you can. So, like, what's it about? Yeah, so that's another passion of mine that I've had for a while. So I wrote stories, basically as a kid, just as I wrote music, I also wrote stories. And then I set it aside um, to focus on music. But it was, again, a very similar situation a few years, like four years ago, where I just realized... Mm, there's a there's a really serious part of me that's just going completely unrecognized and you know unfulfilled as an artist so I have to make time for this so I started I started like seriously like writing like making time for it pretty much every day um even if it's for a very short time uh about four years ago so and I'm really excited to say I have a book um i'm basically <laughs> finishing editing it i don't know what draft this is it's been many 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 drafts at this point but it's ya uh young adult and i would put it in the speculative category basically um what does speculative category mean speculative so what that means is i also didn't know <laughs> when i was writing it my, uh, my editor told me oh this is amazing speculative why i was like what is that <laughs> so uh what it means is like you're speculating on what if right like if you basically take something that's in real life and you basically yourself as an author decide what would happen in the future if things went uh kept going this way so My book is basically following a character who lives in a futuristic America that um, has been transferred from a democracy to a meritocracy. And the way people's merit is determined is by the amount of followers they have on social media. <laughs> so, and then there's, uh -huh. ranking, there's this whole ranking system for humans, basically. And those of the lowest ranks, which are one, two, and three, are forced into what's called automatic employment, which is basically you have to labor in a factory for um, this mega corporation. Um, so basically, yeah, the yeah. protagonist, we meet her when she's about to turn 18. She's a three. She's trying desperately to become a four so she doesn't have to go work for a factory for the rest of her life. So, and that's, that's kind of the yeah. setup. Damn, I think that's a book for me. I would love to read that. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, social media has become a very interesting thing for all of us these days. So, you know, and one of the things I'm kind of known for is working with digital creators, content creators, um, somebody who yeah. perhaps comes from the world of YouTube or, you know, any kind of content creation TikTok and, you know, create wants to start creating music. So I've done tons and tons of projects like that. And I've had a very close view of what it's like to be an influencer. Um, I've really examined it right here. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely helped create the slot. I imagine. <laughs> um, okay, let's go back to the song. That was a little side. When you trip. only see your beauty in the uplows, you can't love yourself on this island. So uh, how did you start writing it? So, as I mentioned, I, the concept was brought up in therapy, and I was like, ooh, song. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it wasn't uh, the first song I wrote for my project. The first song was Girl, I Was Perfect, which I've released uh, a few months ago. Um, so, this was already, like, a couple of months into me being like, oh, cool, I'm totally going to write some music for myself as an artist. Um, so, yeah, it was just, I think the day after I had the therapy session, I just sat down and I was like, oh, I'm going to try to write Hollywood Heart and like, see if it comes out. So, and a lot of the times I write really differently for myself than I write for the artists. Uh, obviously, you know, there's the collaboration aspect uh, for most artists. Um, and also, I'm usually the track person, so I like start a beat. And, you know, if everybody's in the room is feeling it, we're all kind of like writing to it. And at a certain point, too, uh, if I feel like the top liners have it, like they've got a thing going on I just kind of turn around and I focus on the track at this point and kind of put on my headphones and you know just do my job um so actually when mm -hmm. I write for myself I really try unless it's like a specific like song based on a type of specific type of beat um I really try not to even get near my production setup I just play guitar or piano and write like super old school songwriter way because it's a little bit more fun for me that way because that's originally 
like the kind of writing I come from doing way before I was a producer. Uh, you know, when I first wanted to be an artist, I sat up my piano and wrote songs. So it's kind of like a full circle moment for me. Uh, and yeah. yeah, it was, I don't even remember if it was the piano or guitar that I started the song, but yeah, you know, I wish it was a sexier story, but I just sat down and I wrote it. <laughs> That's it. And then I created the track um, around it afterwards. Yeah. So when creating the track, do you remember what you started with? Hmm, yeah, definitely the guitar. Um, I think a lot of times what's fun is when you write on guitar or piano, like that usually ends up being the main instrument. Not always. Sometimes I'm, uh, I'll write something. There's one song I wrote um, that is also going to be on my EP that... I started it on guitar, but really like it's, it's more like a track thing. Once I put it in into Ableton, I was like, I don't know this doesn't need to be like a guitar situation, but most of the time, whatever instrument I wrote it on is what I want to put in as like the main instrument. So I really like this guitar and um, Hollywood hearts, just like a pretty picking pattern. So I just started with that and then built the beat around it. Um, I honestly, when I was writing it, I already had a really good idea of what I wanted the track to sound like. Funny enough, so a lot of times I end up ripping myself off as a producer. Like, a lot of times I'll do a song and I, uh, I'll be like, oh, I want to do another one like that. So there was a song I wrote for Pitch maybe, like, a few months before I wrote Hollywood Heart. And I really loved the, the track. Like, I just really, really loved, like, kind of the shape of the bass and just the drums. And I just thought it made, like, a lot of sense. So when I was even sitting there writing Hollywood Heart on guitar... I, I felt like, oh, I want to make it like that other song <laughs> that I produced uh, and wrote. Yeah. So it was very like, kind of clear for me from the start what it was going to be. So, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't very, it wasn't a very challenging track to produce. Hollywood Heart is a faker. One of the things I really love about this track is the dynamics because it shifts a lot and it's like great build-ups and constant movement which is not so common in pop music nowadays. Thank you. I think you often know like now it's the verse, now it's the chorus, like it's gonna be like this-ish. Uh, no one can see me on a podcast. It's going to be like up and down-ish. Um, <laughs> um, but this one, you can you kind of get surprised uh, all the time. Uh, how did you work with making like dynamics in the production? Thank you. Thank you for noticing that. I personally think I'm a very dramatic person. <laughs> so it kind of translates to production. I always want sections to be like very distinguishable from each other i don't really like flat tracks that kind of just keep going i mean sometimes that can be a vibe that's really just not like me as a producer at all i don't hardly ever do that with anything so most mm -hmm. things i approach um i make sure that like there's very dramatic builds and very dramatic drop-offs um so it feels like ooh, something is happening so yeah with this song it yeah. was actually totally that was kind of a challenging i guess aspect of producing it because um It is, you know, it isn't like a super dramatic song melodically where it goes ah really high and then really low. Like there's not the giant dynamics vocally. So I kind of had to, um, it's more rhythmic. Like the dynamics really come with rhythm uh, as far as the top line on that song. Um, like kind of the combination, uh, sort of like the contrast between more legato parts and the more uh, like da 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 like more kind of staccato like almost trap kind of inspired rhythms so yeah i think what i really did is just follow the top line but really emphasize it with the track so like on the chorus where it's a little bit more flowy like i wanted the instrumentation to drop out no drums really just like guitars pads that kind of thing you know on the post chorus where there's a lot of rhythmic movement going on i was like okay that's where the 808 hats come in it's where snare comes in it's where like a really loud kick drum comes in the 808, you know, and suddenly it's like a vibe. Definitely the song is, mm -hmm. it's poppier than a lot of stuff I do. I'm very like, I'm kind of genreless, I think as an artist, you know, it's, it's pop R&B if somebody had to ask, but 
like this song's really not the R&B. It's really more pop, and I just like riff in an R&B way in certain spots, but really small <laughs> song. So you know, I kind of wanted to bring a little bit of that too, and with like the the eight oh eight and the kick and the snare, especially because I feel like if you take everything out and you listen to just like the snare, the eight oh eight, the hats, it could be an Ariana Grande song. You know what I mean? It's like very heavy on the bottom end um but then you add like a pretty kind of mm-hmm. very almost folksy guitars and like oh no this is for sure pop so i think yeah it's like definitely playing with the different genres as well and kind of finding things that i like from the different genres which i guess goes back to like artistry too um that's definitely the one fun thing about doing it without sort of you know oh like i'm trying to get a record deal or any kind of plan like that uh, I think because absolutely everything mm. else I do is with, oh, we're trying to get listeners. We're trying to get the label to approve this. We're trying to, you know, please a lot of people. So the fun thing about this is like, there's nobody to please but myself. So I can just do whatever I want, which is super fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in the you, you start the song with the guitar and vocals, and then there comes the like percussive beat, mm-hmm. kind of like before yeah, the yeah. kick and snare. Yeah, for like a pre-chorus, and then it drops out again for the chorus, and then it gets really big for the post. Yeah, it was just like, that's one of the things I've loved for a while now as a producer is like kind of organic type percussion, you know, um, I don't usually like create it myself. Sometimes I've, I've literally beat on my wooden desk to create some of these like wooden type percussions. Um, you know, yeah. I think in this song, it was just more samples. And a lot of times what I do too is to create percussions, I combine samples and uh, sometimes it's like a fun almost like a journey of a sample kind of situation um because what i end up doing is having a sample that i've created or you know took a pre-existing sample and kind of just flipped it and i will i will i will Mm -hmm. save it in my folder and then put it in another song and then i'll add maybe another layer of percussion or maybe reverb or delay or something whatever it is that i need and then save that so a sample ends up kind of like taking on a life of its own and growing and becoming something that I use in a lot of songs, but in a different way every time. I think it's really fun. Uh, how did you create like the distant uh, effect of the beat? Do you remember? <laughs> it's because so it sounds like it's kind of bl- like blurry in the mix. Interesting. I think it's, uh, I think there's the verbs on the mid range. Uh, I couldn't tell you without really pulling up the, se- uh, the session, but I do think one of the things I do, which everybody says not to do, but I do it anyway, I put reverb on a kick drum, but instead of like putting it on the kick drum, what I do is I have a sample saved of a kick with a verb on it. And then I put it under a real kick drum and then I like get rid of the low end. (laughs) So you just hear like the muddy kind of mid like that. And then you layer it under a kick and sometimes spread it too. So like the middle is kind of bare. So you hear the real like, dump of the cake but you also hear kind of like that i don't want to say muddiness because it's usually such a bad word in production yeah, but like you hear that kind of like purposeful blur <laughs> um, a very yeah, unkind blur <laughs> yeah yeah like you know and i think that can be really fun because you're trying to create like definitely for a song like this which is all like very emotional too um especially in the pre like verses i didn't want it to be like boom snap boom right like i wanted that only to be really on the post um and like bridge where it's really really big so i think like kind of really playing it with the b being a bit smaller and maybe only the snare is like really cracking but everything else is like more subdued on the other parts kind of gives like the distinction from like the really big parts you know what i'm saying yeah and uh, the bass on the track was an 808 bass, no? It's an 808, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, I think I used Sublab, pretty sure. Um, I really like that plugin for 808. I didn't really yeah. use anything else ever since I got it. <laughs> I used to use 
samples from supplies. I used to use contacts, 808s. Um, now I'm just like a sub lab girl. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. yeah, definitely That's, like. Uh, at least people know where to go now. <laughs> I, I think it's a great plug, and I really do. There's not every preset on there is like perfect for pop. There's a lot of like very aggressive hip hop kind of presets, but there's a few that I kind of just like adjust with my own settings that work really nicely for pop. I think they're really like thumpy and have a lot of sub, but uh, you can like uh, control, control like the drive on it as well. So you can really change the character of it with the kind of drive you mm -hmm. pick and how much of it you pick. So I really like that plugin. That's nice. Uh, actually, you just reminded me of something that I've been struggling with a bit. So I'm now going to ask you, <laughs> um, because you work in, with Omnisphere as well, right? Yeah. And there's so many sounds in there, and a lot of the sounds are very, like, trap or very far from what I'm doing. What you're doing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have any uh, advice for, like, how to pick sound or, like, sa save the right sounds or... Yeah, I do. I do for sure because it's. I think every everybody goes through this where like they mostly do one genre or like two genres, you know. And there's just so many different sounds in all of these plugins. You're like, well, I don't want to listen to this that has nothing to do with what I'm. It takes a while. It takes. So it's actually like such a time suck, and like most producers hate it. So what I do is, I do this in my sessions, obviously, as I like produce and it, let's say I create a sound that I'm like wow I love this sound I just basically save up Ableton group and literally put it in a folder to where I can easily access it like let's say it's Omnisphere and Valhalla Verb like together mm -hmm. just save, like the whole everything that was on that track that I liked in a group and the way I title it like if let's say the song's called Kisses or whatever I'll put Kisses I'll put my name in it or Liar or Alina you know just to like so I can find it uh, among sounds that I didn't make Uh, so I'll put like it says Alina, uh, Pluck, Synth, Omni, or something like that. Like I'll title it that. And also I'll put it in a folder for the like, plus, like if it is a plug. Uh, and then, mm. you know, not I don't always have perfect memory to where I'm like, oh yeah, Kisses, Synth, Om Omni sounds like this. Uh, but a lot of the times I'll be like, especially if it's from a song, I'll be like, oh, I remember that. I, that's a perfect sound to also use in this song. So uh, I know for me, I totally don't mind reusing. And I think it's one of the things that younger producers don't do. They're like, wait, I want to like have a fresh thing for every session. But when you do it like five days a week, you're like, yeah, no. <laughs> If it's worked on this song, it's also <laughs> on this song and this song. This song. I'm like that with uh, snares and kick drums. I use the same ones for everything. Uh, I mean, obviously, if it's like a very unusual song that isn't like anything I've done, I'll spend time to look for the right samples. But if I know, you know, 808 snare 15 is the shit, <laughs> if I know it's amazing, like yeah. I'm going to use it and everything. So that's just, and I think like if you even listen to like very well-known producers, you know, uh, and you listen to like their tracks, kind of make a playlist of them, you'll notice the same samples used over and over again, because if it's worked one time, it's definitely going to work again. So basically back to the question. Yeah. So I will go. And sometimes what I also do is I haven't done this in a while because I haven't had any time, but if I'm just kind of in the mood to look for samples, like I'll just sit down and look for samples, like outside of a session, outside of a song, like literally just go into atmosphere and be like, okay, I'm just going to like look for sounds. So, and if there, there's one I find that's like, Oh, this is a beautiful glockenspiel. I can see like many ways I can use that. I'll just save it as like pretty glock atmosphere. Right. Mm -hmm. And then if I put it in, like the folder for bells bell sounds like i you know i might not fully remember what it sounded like but if i pull it up like most of the time it's gonna end up being either what i want or close to what i want to, so i can like adjust it a little bit in atmosphere and call it a day i hope that yeah. helps <laughs> it's a nice, it does help it's nice advice to save it in groups because you can then build on the sound not only in the in atmosphere but also with other effects Yeah, it literally any so plugin, CRM, anything like sampler, like native, able to plugins, you can do that. I don't know if you can do this in other DAWs. I'm sure you can, like, find some equivalent of this in other DAWs. But yeah, for me, it's definitely like something that saves my life a lot because, yeah, looking for a new sound every time in every session is grueling. <laughs> yeah, and also a vibe killer. It is, it is, especially like I don't like doing it when there's people sitting around waiting. I'm no. always like, 
Ooh, yeah. I don't to sit there kind of lose their ideas while I'm screwing around trying to find a sound. So, yeah. you know, the only sound I really like, and this like obviously is only like applicable to like popular music. If somebody does something else, it might not be, but for, you know, pop, like I only mostly care, like deeply care about the main sound. The one that's like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's always like one yeah. or two main sounds that kind of carry the production, make it unusual, make it stand out. So, and it's usually also the sound that we write the top line to. Uh, not obviously like not with Hollywood Hard because that was like written as a song, like not produced song, but with mm. sessions a lot of times, like it's going to be like one chord progression of one, one sound that inspires the writers, whether it's me or other writers. So I usually like do spend a good amount of time finding like that initial sample that inspires everybody or playing it. You know what I'm saying? But um, a lot of the kind of like additional sounds, I oftentimes will use stuff I've used before. That's clever. I guess also a drummer would never like buy a new drum set every time they're playing a concert. No. And it's one (laughs) of the things too, as you become like more well known as a producer, people want your signature sound, right? Like you're not going to go to like, Max Martin and say, Hey, can you make me a jazz record? Like you're going to go to a producer that's known for producing jazz, you know, and granted like Max has had you know incredible career and has produced many different types of pop songs that kind of touch on different genres outside of pop. But you know, you're going to go to him for pop. You're going to, you know what I'm saying? Like, or you're going to go to Tommy yeah. Brown probably for like R&B hip hop, pop kind of combination. So I think it's actually a great thing to like really lean into what you like as a producer too, because there's definitely like for me, I've had sessions where, you know, I was asked to do something really out of my wheelhouse and it's definitely helped me grow. I won't pretend it didn't. It's mm-hmm. really helped me as a producer, but I do think like the bread and butter of what I do is what I do. Like people like the kind of sounds I pick. People like the kind of top lines are right. You know, like, and that's, like what I mostly want to lean into, like every once in a while, do something super weird for me and be like, wow, I learned so much, but the majority is going to be like my thing. (laughs) I think it's like that for most producers. Okay. Let's talk about uh, vocal production. Yes. So in the song, you have a lead and a ton of like add-ons and ad-libs. So many. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they're so short. What I really like is like, it's, it's like one sentence and then it's like a different type of uh, double or whatever on the next sentence. Can you just tell me about it? Of course. Thank you for asking. This this is fun for me to talk about. To be good to the girl on the couch on a free day. Easier to say than do. Words pop up like loser. No, it's not cool. But when you only see your beauty in the uplust, you can't love yourself in this silence. Because I don't usually do this in most songs I produce. I mean, Every, every once in a while I get like a pop R&B situation where I can just go ham on the vocals and like layer so many background vocals and so many different textures and it's super fun. But I think majority of things like I keep it like contained a little bit <laughs> on this song though. I was just like, oh, I'm going to do what I want, you know? So, and what I want is a ton, a ton of vocals, <laughs> like so many um, yeah. So what I also did that's a bit different for me because I was kind of experimenting uh, is I use different types of processing all throughout the song on different sections. So as opposed to just being like, okay, I'm going to stack up backgrounds and doubles and just have like a really pretty EQ on it that makes it sound nice and bright. And that's it. So, cause that's a lot of what I do is like just process it nicely. It sounds good. And I leave it. Um, and this, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to just really match the vocals to whatever's going on top line and track wise. So for example, so what I did basically, I actually recorded everything in studio one because it's, I, we've talked about this before off of this podcast, it's just like a lot easier as far as like really kind of more, more complicated kind of processing, um, uh, where I'm trying to get everything to be super tight because the vocal line in uh, Ableton is really hard to use. Like it's usable, mm. but it takes a very long time. Um, like routing yeah. everything. Vo- every can you just part. explain what vo- vo- vocal line is? Yeah, of course. So vocal line is a program 
that aligns vocals. It's exactly what it <laughs> what it sounds like is what it is. So let's say if you have a lead, but it part, like aligns the time, right? the timing, right? So let's say if you have a lead part and you have a double or or harmony and you sing it, you know, close, but it is you're human, so it's not like exactly exactly every single syllable is in the exact same place. So even if it's like a couple of milliseconds off, sometimes that's dope. Like for more earthy types of music. Like I wouldn't really align it, but for like pop, pop music or pop R&B, I really sometimes like that feeling of you're hearing a stack of vocals and everything is at the exact same time, right? It just sounds mm. so amazing. Um, so for me, I for my music at least, I like to align everything with Vocaline and, you know, love Ableton and that's my main program, but it's just, it's very, it's possible to use it in it, but it's super slow, like because of how the routing works. And mm. if you have like 16 parts, that's, you know, it can take you like literally hours to align everything, which doesn't sound fun to me. <laughs> so mm. um, when I use Studio One, which is another DAW for it, uh, it's basically like, it's wired for like really integrated use for our vocal line. So it takes me, like 30 seconds to align eight parts to the lead. It's super, super fast. So I definitely, for that reason, I do my background vocals in Studio One. And also they have Melodyne integration, which for those that don't know, is a tuning program um, that's very awesome and really detailed for tuning vocals. So, uh, you know, not that, again, like when you're trying to create that super perfect stack, you know, the more perfect it is, the more you can hear imperfections. Like if there's one part that's a little off, you're like, ooh, something's itchy. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> where it's like kind of not really that tuned, not really that aligned. It can sound like live and good. So, but for my music, yeah, I want it to be super tight. So that's why I use Studio One. But back to like more the creative. So what I did is I basically sung all the backgrounds, as many as they want, um, all over the whole song. So I think on, like, I might be lying, but I'm pretty sure I'm trying to remember. I think for most parts uh, in the chorus to have like a double, uh, I might even have four doubles. I'm not sure. Um, and I have also low octaves under the chorus. Pretty sure again. And mm -hmm. then I also have a lot of just like background stacks on certain words, not like throughout the song or anything, but wherever I heard backgrounds, I sang them. So, and then basically what I did is I took all of those files, all those background vocals, put them back into Ableton. And then I created groups um, for certain different parts. Right? Like I didn't just put them all in one group. I think I have like four or five different groups processed differently. So mm -hmm. for example, like the first chorus. What I wanted was for the background vocals to be almost invisible and kind of phasey and kind of weird and low in the mix and again like kind of blurry. Um, so I I would ha I'd have to look at my session to see exactly what I did. I'm sure I like EQ'd it to EQ the top end off. Um, then I think I did have like some kind of phaser on on it or flutter or something like that uh, and verb and all these things. So I just like basically took every part and I arranged like the processing, how I felt I wanted it to be, you know, and other parts I wanted there to be a lot of clarity for them to kind of come in like, boom, there's the background vocal really loudly and really like noticeably. So, and then I used a lot of automation too for certain parts. I wanted them to be softer and a little bit more tucked in. Others, I literally just wanted like that background vocal to be the first and the front thing that you hear. Like if it's, there's one part at the end of the bridge where it's like, uh, like it's like a big stack going like ascending up a scale so i wanted that to be literally the main thing that you hear in that moment so the automation is like way up like really really turned up high in that moment and then it goes down right after so yeah it was definitely like 
I just took every moment as it came and I was like, what, what can I do here? That's cool. Oh, I'm going to face it. Oh, I'm going to like pan it weirdly. Oh, I'm going to do this. So like, it was just really like experimenting and it definitely took me like a while to, to dial that in. Like my first version that I did, I listened a couple of days later and I was like, Oh, this is not right. This is not right. This is not right. Uh, on this vocal processing. So I went back and redid it. And I guess that's one other thing I would mention too, is like, for my artist songs, and it's, I'm sure a lot of people feel this way, but I find that I need a lot of time to do it. Like, I, of course, I can, you know, knock it out, but I don't want to knock it out. A lot of the times, like, what I try to do is work on a certain thing, like this background processing, and then let's take, say, take a couple of days off, listen again with fresh ears, and be like, oh, that was dope, that wasn't dope, go back, change it. And it's the same with, like, every stage of uh, writing, of uh, producing um processing mixing like every stage i just like take my time on so it takes like a while to get a song done this way but i'm also very confident that i love it by the end of it because i really did like take the time to rest my ears yeah yeah you didn't stress the process or mm -hmm. i guess you're also used to working with a lot of like tight deadlines <clears throat> super super tight so this is like very different for me and it definitely like kind of taught me about my own brain as a producer too because I feel like the tight deadlines you know I can do it I can turn your song around in a couple of days if you want me to mm -hmm. um it's it definitely is not going to be as like it can be good but it probably won't be as like detailed right as something I will do for myself just because there really isn't enough time for me to yeah. do these like crazy vocal stacks or whatever it is that I'm trying to do like really interesting processing that I know will take trial and error so yeah, I have all my go-to techniques. I have all my go-to like settings saved for background vocals, for leads, for bass, for whatever. Like I can knock it out really fast, but it is always like more rewarding for sure if I can actually take like the time I need. So a lot of times with projects that aren't in a rush, I always say, hey, like, is it okay if I take some time with this? Because it will be better. <laughs> so, and some people yeah. are cool with that and some people are like, oh, I'd rather have it sooner. So I'm like, okay, it still is going to be great, but it just might not be as unusual. Yeah, of course. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so I have one last question for you and I ask everyone on the podcast this question and it is, uh, do you have any tips for people who want to start uh, being an artist or producing or doing yeah. music? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I think my number one tip for anyone starting out is to actually hustle, like what we talked about before. Like you really do want to like put as many hours under your belt as you can. And I think there's so much to learn in music. I mean, I could literally write a book on how much there's to learn and still not yeah. include everything. Um, <laughs> so I think like what you need the most is just the education and the best, you know, you can go to school too. And I'm sure it's amazing schools, but um, one of the best ways to learn without going to school is just to work a ton. So, you know, when you're brand new, I would take a session with literally anybody that wants to work with you. I would write, you know, give yourself breaks. Don't burn out. Burnout is bad for at any stage, you know, give yourself ample time to like recover mentally, but you know, as long as you're doing that, like, otherwise I would really go hard and do sessions. I would write songs by yourself. I would produce songs, you know, as many songs as you can in any genre that you can, because that's the thing too, is like, you don't really know what your zone of brilliance is yet as you're starting out at all. And you will continue to learn that as you get more advanced in your craft. Like I'm still learning, I'm still learning like certain zones of brilliance and that I have and others that are like, oh, this is not my best, you know, I'm still doing a good job, but I can tell I'm not as like amazing at it as this person, right? So I think it's it's definitely like going to take a while to realize what you're like, uh, what you're amazing at and what you're just like decent or good at. So I, yeah, my advice is like just to just take any session, work on anything that where the opportunity presents itself. And then, yeah, my second advice is just to be open to collaborating with people because that's also one of the best ways that you learn is just to just, yeah like have tons of people that you write with that you work with um because again you don't know like you don't really know who you are yet in the room you don't know if you're really like more the producer you're more the top liner maybe you're good at both 
Maybe you dip into both, like as you're doing the session, maybe you're good at writing by yourself. Maybe you're only good at writing with like your best friend and you know, you're maybe shy otherwise and it's not really a vibe for you otherwise. Like I think as you as you collaborate with people, you will start really recognizing what works for you and what doesn't. And there's no way to guess it. Not none at all. Like you can think, oh, I'm probably going to be really good at developing artists. And then you start doing it and you're like, wow, I hate developing artists. Like you might personally <laughs> also feel like the, another thing is like you might be good at it, but you might not like it. That's, that's a very common thing. I know a lot of people that are amazing at things, but they don't like the things that they're doing. You know, they want to do this thing. So a lot of the times you won't really know until you get into it. So you just have to jump right in. That's good advice. Okay, so it was so nice to have you here, Alina. And um, thank you for sharing your knowledge and your process. Of course, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yay! And to the people at home, here is a full playthrough of Hollywood Heart by Alina Smith. Enjoy! I can't make a name Got your star and leave it on that pavement Came to entertain But what I didn't know is that a stage would be my cage Cause when you only see your beauty in the applause You can't love yourself in this silence and Yeah, I wanna see my words when no one else does I keep looking and I keep trying But I feel my Hollywood heart And it's every beat is a knockoff I'm trying to heal my Hollywood heart But it's hard to give it my trust Cause Hollywood heart is a faker On a free day Easier to say than do Words pop up like loser No, it's not cool But when you only see your beauty in the applause You can't love yourself in this silence Yeah, I wanna see my words when no one else does I keep looking and I keep trying But I feel my Hollywood heart And it's every beat is a knockoff Yeah. 